Go Birds Radio, presented by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. Official sportsbook of the real Philly fan. What's going on? It's Elliot Shore Parks for my friends at Window Nation. And if you've had enough of your windows keeping the house chilly, then fight the February cold with Window Nation. Right now, replace your windows and save big with 50% off all window styles, plus zero down, zero interest, and no payments for 24 months. With proven quality and service, it's no wonder thousands have trusted Window Nation. Don't miss out. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com to schedule your free in-home estimate. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. edition of Go Birds Radio coming to you live from the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City. I can't tell you how amazing this place is. Brand new, beautiful. We're sitting right next to the Edis Arena. We got guitars up behind us. It is a uh, it is a awesome place. If you're anywhere near here, come on down and say hi. It is James Seltzer with me as Glenn Mack now said it. The Newman and Redford hey. of WIP, Mr. Elliot Parks. I think that makes you Robert Redford, Elliot. A reference I had to Google, I'll be honest. <laughs> Don't say that out loud, A Elliot. reference I had to Don't Google. Don't tell people that. Hey, if Glenn's saying it, it's a compliment. That's so exactly I, right. So I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, Glenn is the man. Uh, that show is, is just the best, Glenn and Ray. I love, love listening to that. And look, anytime, if people want to call me Paul Newman, I will take it. You'll take it. I will okay. take it. Paul Newman, one of the greats, and uh, certainly better looking than I am. But otherwise, I'm a big uh, Paul Newman marinara sauce guy. You know, <laughs> yeah, that, that, sure. that's my Paul sure. Newman. That's, uh, Paul that's Newman. my Paul Newman knowledge. You make right me there. feel old, Elliot. So why don't we talk <laughs> Eagles? That we can both agree on. Okay. Uh, if you want to get involved, eight 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 seven two nine ninety four ninety four again at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. It's Go Birds Radio and Elliot. We got a one and zero Eagles we team, do. baby. Uh, that I predicted, by the way. You did. You were all I over did. it. I just think what you saw in that game was why I picked the Eagles to win was people forget this Eagles team learned how to win close games this year. Last year, they learned that, you know, in 2016 when they were 7-9, and nine, they lost a lot of those close games. Last year, they on the way to the Super Bowl, they learned how to, you know, tough game. Not everything's going great. That's when champions come through and win, and that's what you saw against the Falcons. It's a great point, man. It felt like a game that in the past they would not have won. You know, they would have found a way to lose it, or the refs would have found a way to lose it for them, which you felt like was going to happen. 26 flags. And, and man, look, it was interesting, too, because we were all worried about the new, you know, targeting type of lowering the helmet rule. Not one of those called. No. That was not the issue. It was just every other play in the game was called, and apparently you can't tackle the quarterback, which is good to know. It was sloppy football. Let's be honest. I mean, we can all complain about the referees, and I'm not saying every call was perfect. Doug Peterson said at his day after press conference that of the 26 flags, he only thought one was was the wrong call. So I think you just saw week one, both teams, you know, first game of the season. That's kind of what you saw, sloppy football. But almost cost the Eagles. I mean, that flag on Jordan Hicks in the end zone – extreme ticky-tack call right there. Oh, my God. Especially on a, a ball that probably was not catchable yep. either way. And if I remember correctly, it wasn't even targeted towards Jordan Hicks. No, it was way over. I right, mean, exactly. Was, yeah. So I was surprised by that. But then again, I mean, look, we all said it. We all tweeted it. We all talked about it. 
a replay of that playoff game in terms of just throwing it to Julio on the last Unbelievable, play. It, was, it was unreal. I mean, the, and looking down at it, I mean, the feeling in the stadium was very similar as well. Primetime, Super Bowl banner. So it was, it was a crazy atmosphere. But, look, this Eagles defense, man, I tried to tell you, this Eagles defense is no joke. They are – I mean, how many defenses in the league are tougher to play right now than going in Philadelphia against the Eagles? defense? I, look, it's a great point, especially when you say in Philadelphia. Yeah. And I think that was something we didn't talk about enough heading to the Atlanta game is uh, you can't argue this. Doug Peterson-led Philadelphia Eagles team as a legitimate home field advantage. At can Lincoln can I pull out my yellow notepad? Oh, please. Ray, and by that, I mean please. on my iPhone yellow notepad. <laughs> uh, Eagles defense at Stop home. Stop making me feel old, Elliot. That's <laughs> twice now. Eagles defense at home, last 11 games, have only given up over 12 points three times. That's a crazy stat. I mean, that's a really impressive number. You simply don't come into Philadelphia and score on this defense. Now, it was funny, all last, off, all last season we're saying Jim Schwartz is going to get a head coaching job. Jim Schwartz is going to get a head coaching job. And I think nowadays defensive head coaches, it's just hard for them to get that job. But, man, Jim Schwartz has this unit playing so well. And against the Falcons' offense that I think their, their coordinator is terrible, and we saw that again uh, on Thursday night, but lots of skills on lot, – lots of skilled players on the offensive side of the ball. Holding them to 12 points is a major accomplishment. I totally agree with you. Look, uh, Steve Sarkeesian is terrible. An abomination. Oh it's unbelievable God. that guy has a job still, especially – I think they should have fired him on the flight home, you know, after back-to-back performances like that. But it still is an offense that the pieces there – we're one of the most prolific offense in the history of football under Kyle Shanahan two years ago. So the, there is a ton of talent there. And like you said, I'm happy you mentioned that because my biggest takeaway from obviously how great the defense played. Mm-hmm. And I think that you're going to see that a lot this weekend. I think that right now where the NFL is with the lack of hitting, the lack of preseason games where meaningful players play, I think the first month of the season is turning into more of a preseason-ish type of feel to it in terms of the quality of football, the execution. Certainly was for the Eagles' offense. No question. And I think (laughs) you're going to see that more with offenses. It's easier for a defense to come in and, and be ready to play than it is for, you know, people to be on the same page offensively. But what I will say, my biggest takeaway was how well coached that Eagles defense was. They stayed home. They did their assignments. Everyone did their job. And how many times can you say the defense played great when you give up, what was it, like 160-something yards to Julio? (laughs) Julio was unstoppable until you got inside the 10-yard line. Well, I mean, the Falcons got down, and this is one of my favorite stats of the game. They got down to the one-yard line, the five-yard line, and the 15-yard line. Zero points from those three. I mean, that's impressive. It's man. amazing. It's amazing. And you know, obviously, Jim Schwartz deserves a lot of credit, but wh- who also deserves credit is Howie Roseman because when you look at that defense, extremely athletic. They're fast all three phases. The defensive line. I mean, there was a play early on where the Falcons threw the ball to Devontae Freeman in the flat. Fletcher Cox, all three hundred and whatever pounds of him, is just standing there, shuffling back and forth. You know, basically stayed with Freeman. I mean, how many defensive tackles in the league can do that? And then the linebackers. Man, I'll tell you. We thought this was going to be a position of weakness for this team heading into training camp. Jordan Hicks, Camus Grugier-Hill, Nate Geary, they were all amazing on Thursday night. People forgot how good a player Jordan Hicks is. Which is hard to do because I, in 2016, he made play after play. And, and, and that's the thing. And we've talked about it a lot. And I, I'm a big cliches or cliches for a reason type of guy. Okay. The coach on the field is a cliche for a reason because that guy is that smart. He is that good a defender. He is always in the right spot. Mm-hmm. It's not like you get interceptions and force fumbles and sacks all the time because you're lucky. Right. It's because you're always in the right spot. Yep. I, I thought having Jordan Hicks back was such a massive thing. The Kamu play that he made on fourth down, I mean, that was just – 
That was pursuit. That was technique. That was staying at home. That was coaching. And, that was all of it. And the impressive part about that play is one thing the Eagles have done at their linebacker position is, and it's really forward thinking. They, I mean, Camus, former college safety. Nick Gary, former, former college safety. And so you see, you would think on fourth and one at the goal line, that would be a disadvantage. But nowadays, there's just not a ton of power running back. So the Falcons, they went to the left. And you saw Camus, uh, Camus Gruger-Hill shed two blocks, which, again, not easy for a guy that was a former college safety. Sheds two blocks and makes a tackle on the sideline. So, you know, just extremely impressive play from, from the linebackers. Yeah, and for me, and it's, you know, of course, he's the best player on the defense, but Fletcher Cox was all that and more. And Fletcher I, Cox, in my mind, if you had to pick a player of the game, and again, there are a lot of options on defense, a couple options on offense. We'll get to the offense coming up, but Fletcher Cox is the player of the game for me. Can I make a confession? Please. I used to be not a full-fledged, but semi-Fletcher Cox hater. Oh. <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, you just admitted I, that on the I, radio. I admitted in front of everyone here at this beautiful <laughs> casino. Thankfully, everyone's on the machine, so you know they're uh, yeah, they're having fun. Maybe a sign. Don't listen to me when it comes to advice. But uh, <laughs> look, here's here's what I'd say about Fletcher Cox. I was always, and we debated this last last uh, week with the Khalil Mack thing. Very good player, but you know, I would look and I would say, how many games has he changed single handedly? Right? It's very hard to do from from a defensive tackle position. Fletcher Cox on Thursday night almost single-handedly shut down one of the best offenses in the league two yep. years ago. Dude, he was that good. He was that good. I mean, you know, on the, four, on the, fi- the uh, final drive of the game, the Falcons, we're all going to remember that throw to Julio. Two plays before that, Fletcher Cox basically ruins the entire play, play by himself, pushes the Falcons center right back into Matt Ryan, who has to just fling it helplessly. Um, it, it was amazing. It was an incredible showing from an incredible player. One more guy I want to highlight on the defense before we flip it to the offensive side of the ball. And okay. I thought the entire secondary played well. Ronald Darby. Another, Ronald Darby, man. Another guy I was wrong about. <laughs> another one. Another one. No, I mean, look. I mean, I remember me, you, and Don debating this yep, a year ago. I do, too. Ronald Darby. And I don't think I was wrong. I mean, you know, his second year in the NFL after the Eagles traded for him, he was not that good. But what you saw on Thursday night was what the Eagles coaches have been talking about all offseason was with, with him having a full year with the Eagles, a full healthy offseason, he had a great training camp. I mean, some of the plays he made are almost unfair. His ability to break on the ball. And again, Julio certainly got his. He certainly did. Which he will. Which he will. But Darby made the plays when it mattered most. I mean, Matt Ryan was terrible in, in the red zone. A lot of those throws weren't even catchable. But that final one to Julio... Ronald Darby does such a good job of pushing Julio to the sideline where his margin for error to make that catch is is minuscule. Pretty much zero at that point, the way he played it. I mean, Ronald Darby played that ball perfectly. And again, that goes back to coaching. That goes Mm -hmm. to knowing where you're on the field, using the sideline to your advantage, all that type of stuff. But man, I thought Ronald Darby, the ability to stick with Julio in some of those plays, the, the pickup speed he showed, all that type of stuff. Really impressive. 888-729-9494. Elliot Shore Parks, James Seltzer, Go Birds Radio. We're coming to the phones in just a sec, but quickly, we've got to talk about the offense side. Well, Do we have to? As good as the defense yeah. played, the offense was just about as bad on the flip side. You could say Jay Ajayi had a nice game. You could say Nelson Aguilar had a nice game. The offensive line had a nice second half, but your overall takeaways from the performance and obviously Nick Foles. You, you got to go negative so early on in the show with the offense. I mean, the, the <laughs> off- hey, they won. They're one and They up. won. I mean, my main takeaway from the offense, Nick Foles did not deliver. This is not the guy the Eagles like, – you keep – you hold him all offseason. You give him that new contract. You turn down draft picks reportedly for a trade. You commit to basically – look, he's a backup by name. 
he, the Eagles treat him like a starter, they paid him like a starter, and they didn't trade him because they view him as a starter. He was a backup on Thursday night. The Eagles' offense, they had to basically game plan almost around him late in the game, handing the ball off a ton, even though they were trailing. I mean, if Carson Wentz was in that game, they don't run the ball as much late as they did because Foles was in. I just thought Foles played absolutely terrible, made really bad decisions. Yes, he got the win, but let's, let's be a little more, you know, let's have our analysis go beyond that. You know, yeah, they won. But he did not play well. Yeah, I, look, you can't say he played well. He had some some big throws when needed. Um, I thought the the one thing I will say from a positive perspective on Foles, and after watching the mic'd up from the Super Bowl, it was the biggest takeaway I had from the Super Bowl, was how calm and cool and collected he is during yeah. the game. I felt like that was there. I felt like the leadership was there. The execution was not. I think that to why they kept him, to why they didn't trade him, I think we're starting to see that. I think it's that the Eagles the whole time knew that they were not bringing Carson Wentz back for the first potentially month of the season. And they said, we're not starting Knight Sudfeld. We're starting Nick Foles. That's going to be our guy. We're going to roll with the guy who won us a Super Bowl. So mm-hmm. I understand that from that perspective still, and I'm totally fine with it. And I'm not willing to say that we won't see that great Nick Foles again because he has shown the ability to flip-flop from atrocious performance to great performance. So that's still there. Well, we might never see a quarterback play as well, the, well as Foles. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, that two of the best game, the, the two best games in the history of the franchise. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. In the two biggest. My my point I'm making though is like the Eagles could have gotten the performance that they got from Foles from a number of backups in the NFL on Thursday night. It wasn't. I mean, yes, Foles did show composure. It was a big stage, and you know he had the interception that wasn't really his fault. It kind of pops out of uh, Dallas Goddard's hand, but. You know, he could have had two more. There were back-to-back plays in the third quarter where he tried to throw the ball away. And what you see from Foles when he's struggling is he backpedals and he just tosses it off that back foot and lofts it up. He did it on one play, and the Falcons almost picked it off. Then he comes right back. He has Nelson Aguilar wide open down the left sideline, just completely underthrows it and throws it late. That one's almost picked off. So, you know, early on in the game when the Eagles weren't giving it to Jay Ajayi, I didn't see a lot of creativity from their offense, and I was critical of Doug, but – Overall, when I went back, I've watched the game twice now since then. There were plays there to be made. The, the game plan was good. Just Foles wasn't able to, to find those open guys. And when he did when he did find them, he wasn't able to complete the pass. Yeah, I think that – I thought the game plan in the first half was a little vanilla for Doug. Second half, I thought he opened it. Obviously, I mean, the Philly-Philly play really did make a difference from yeah. a, a momentum standpoint. From Doug talked about it, needing someone to go make a play. They got someone to go make a play. I thought it changed the whole feel of the offense. I also did think, though, like the offensive line did dominate in the second half. Well, and the offensive line was awesome, and the scheme was amazing. John Ritchie talked about this a lot on the Midday Show yesterday. I mean, and, and he was kind of hyperbolic about it, but he was saying they were doing things in the run game that he has never seen wow. an offense do before. Well, Jeff Stoutland, one of the best offensive line coaches in the league, and that's what you saw on Thursday night. But this is the thing about this Eagles team, and we started the show with it, with the reason they win so much is because – they dominate the line of scrimmage every week. There's not a, sides, yep. There is not a week this season where they'll go into a Sunday or a Monday, whenever their game is, Thursday night, and say, I don't know if they have the advantage on the offense or defensive line. And that's how, how we built this team. And that's why they're not going to lose a lot of games. I heard people coming into this Falcons game saying, oh, I don't know, they're pretty banged up. Like, okay, you're missing Matt Collins. Let's not over-exaggerate things. You have the best defensive line in the NFL. You have probably the best offensive line in the NFL. You're going to be in a lot of games. And on Thursday night, they were, over, they were able to overcome penalties, poor quarterback play, 160 yards from Julio, because at the end of the day, they dominate the line of scrimmage. 888-729-9494. Elliott Shore Parks, James Seltzer. It's Go Birds Radio. I want to hear your takeaways from the game. And I also want to know if you are more 
excited about the defense of how the defense played in that moving forward, or if you're a little more nervous about the offense and Nick Foles, and again, looks like it could be a few more weeks till we see Carson Wentz out yeah. there. So, eight 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 seven two nine ninety four ninety four. Let's start out in Marlton and talk to Craig. Craig, you're on WIP. Yeah, how you doing, guys? Good, Craig. What's um, on your mind today? Well, you know, I got to rewatch that game last night um, on the NFL Channel, and I really took a hard look at it. One of the concerns that I had was. Their last year, they had the best running back combination. And by losing a guy like Blunt, just the bowler, sort of get a right through the line, the Jay can do that, but he can end up getting injured as well because um, I know they have concerns with his knees and longevity. So, I, you know, the concern is they never really replaced that um, in the running back. The other thing I want to get your opinion on is two things. Uh, letting Torrey Smith go, I get a lot of heat from this when I mention this, but – you know, he was dropping passes, but then towards the end of the season, he looked uh, fairly decent and ended the playoffs. Because I looked at Wallace, and besides that one in the interference, didn't really see him do much. Yeah, Craig, and, Craig both, and, great, and, both great points there. Thank you for the call. Elliot, what, to his point about LeGarrette Blunt, did you feel like the Eagles are missing him or are going to miss him? You know, it's tough to say. I thought there were two runs on Thursday night where there was a big hole there. Jay Ajayi got tripped up. And it's hard to say, like, would LeGarrette have gotten tripped up there? I will say LeGarrette did an excellent job last year. For a guy as big as he is, he has amazing balance. He does not fall over easily. I don't know if they're going to miss LeGarrette. I still thought Jay Ajayi played well overall. Um, I think the running game is going to be fine this year. I think his point is good about when you need that big body, who do you go to? I think they'll go to Corey Clement and Jay Ajayi, and I, th- I think they'll be fine. I do too. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, and you know I said this on the, the podcast prior, right. at GoBirdsPod on Twitter. Um, I said that I think Jay Ajayi is going to have a monster year, and I still believe that, and I think we saw it. I think they used him, obviously. There was a lot of, where's Jay Ajayi? What's going on here? And ultimately Ajayi ends up having a big second half, scores the two touchdowns. To Craig's other point, no, we're not going to miss Torrey Smith. I Stop agreed. it. Mike Wallace is a better player than Torrey Smith right now, period, end of story. And Mike Wallace should have had a big game on Thursday. There were two times where he got behind the Falcons' defense. Foles tried to hit him, and he just underthrew him. So Mike Wallace still has that speed, uh, and he just he has better hands than Torrey Smith. And look, Torrey Smith, great locker room guy last year, did play a role certainly in that Vikings win in the playoffs. You don't want to you know tarnish his name too much, but I think Mike Wallace is going to be – and already is an upgrade over Torrey Smith. 888-729-9494. Coming up, Elliot's going to tell us what it was like to be in that stadium. The weather delay, the banner, the whole thing, what that felt like. Plus, we are going to roll your calls. 888-729-9494. Elliot Shore Parks, James Seltzer. It's Go Birds Radio. Don't go anywhere. This is Go Birds Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. A blues traveler on the way back. I can always dig a little hook action. It's Go Bird Radio. James Seltzer, Elliot Shore Parks coming your way. Coming up in just a little bit. Elliot's going to tell us what it was like inside the stadium. Once the, it dried up. Yeah, yeah. Once it dried up, the whole rain delay, weather delay. I can't remember a season ever starting on a weather delay. It felt auspicious at the moment, but they were able to pull it out. Such a buzzkill, too. It was a buzzkill. It was like, a buzzkill. Yeah, the stadium. I got down there. Kickoff ended up being like 9 o'clock, but I got down there four and a half hours before the game, and it already seemed like kickoff was a half hour away. Yeah. I mean, fans were ready to go. Uh-huh. And the feeling in the, the stadium was, was amazing. And then we'll talk about it. We'll but get that to rain. It. We'll get to it. We'll, yeah. we'll dive in. That's coming up. Also, at 2.45 today, we'll make our first ring the bell picks of the 2018 season. Can't wait for that. For now, let's head back out to the phones. 888-729-9494. Let's head to New Jersey and talk to Ken. Ken, you're on WIP. Gentlemen, good afternoon. 
How are you, Ken? Not too bad in yourself. Good, man. What's on your mind today? I have nothing to complain about when it comes to a win. A win is a win is a win. It's kind of like playing Street Fighter 2 back in the day. It doesn't matter how you do it. Just get the win. The fact is, I think sometimes what happens is we overvalue the competition. Sometimes we honestly think they're better than they actually are. I'm not sure where Matty Ice got his nickname from. I know where it is, but that's what he plays like when he gets down the goal line. He Especially in Philly, right? Absolutely. All the time. I mean, you know, like I said, Nick Foles is, is there to not lose the game, and he did just that. I mean, again, when you're playing with, you know, sometimes some of the, you know, I think the tight ends let him down at time, time in the time. I agree. The white, the white outs could have been a little bit better. But, again, I know what he's capable of doing. And I don't think he's, you know, and, and Doug, more importantly, Doug isn't as stubborn as Chip Kelly was or as stubborn as, as you know, Andy Reid used to be. He knows how to adjust during the game. I think yeah. he figures it out in, over the quarters. Yeah, I think Ken's point's good. I mean, look, at the end of the season, they're going to ask how many. They're not going to ask how, right? They're like, how did you get there? It doesn't matter. This, this game, when week 14, 15 comes around and we're talking about playoff seeding and the Eagles needing that home field advantage because of how good they are, that, that's what's going to matter, the fact that you got this win over the Falcons. So I think that's a great point. Uh, yeah, and I, you know, also, again, if the defense is going to continue to play at, at such a high level, I think it really, it, it really makes the competition that much easier because I don't, Dallas has no threat on the outsides whatsoever. And all you got to concentrate on is Zeke Elliott. I'm not yeah, worried about that. Ken, I'm not, Ken, I'm with you on that. And coming up later, we will dive into the Dallas-Carolina game when we make our Ring the Bell picks. But I'm, I'm with you. Maybe we'll do a little NFC East talk Let's do it. later. But uh, why don't we go from Ken to Kenny? How about that? Let's head to Bethlehem and talk to my good buddy, Kenny. Kenny! Shelter, Shore Park. What up? Great, ah, there you go, show. Kenny. <laughs> What's Doesn't up, that brother? sound like... Doesn't that sound like a Vista? And like it Cape does. Betty? It does. It sounds a lot cooler than Elliot and James. I'll tell you. <laughs> we, we, we had a picnic, and we, and we took it at Seltzer Shore Park. I mean, who wouldn't love that? <laughs> Might good. have trademarked that. Yeah, I know, right? What's on your All mind right, today, so, brother? Well, Jimmy, as you know, I have, I have some uh, observations from Thursday's game. You've got but legit I didn't get, sports points for us today, Kenny. It's exciting. I didn't get to share them yesterday because someone who shall remain nameless, Joe DeCamera, actually <laughs> dumped my phone call after like 20 seconds. I'm like, dude, I was just on the phone call. I was like surprised by that. I noticed that. It was your way forever. And then you said something. And then he's like, all right, see you later, Kenny. Oh, <laughs> and you didn't even say that. I just heard boop, boop, boop. And I'm like, no, you're just kidding me. So, uh, I'll, we'll give I'll, Joe I'll a pass. Joe's, Joe's usually very good about giving people their time. Oh, so. I know. And you know I love Joe, but Joe's I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to get in hell about it on Tuesday. Yeah, please sure. do. I'm looking forward to it already, Kenny. All right. So before I get to my points, and I hope you guys will bear with me because, you know, I can get a bit verbose at times. Um, first of all, 18 to go until we're 19 and up. Love it. There you go. And, and, you know, I've been saying that for months now, Jimmy, and I really mean it. People think that this is like a shtick. No, I mean it. 19 and up. Okay. Love it. So... First of all, I got to give credit to Atlanta, and I know Nick didn't have a good game. I mean, anybody who says he did would be lying. But Atlanta's defense, first of all, they are an outstanding, outstanding tackling defense. They wrap you up, and they're very fundamental. And they took away the middle of the field for the most part, with the exception of Ertz's catch after after Philly, Philly two electric boogaloo. Oh. They they really took away the middle of the field, which you know, which is why we had so many ticky tack passes, you know, little two yard out patterns, that kind of thing. But one thing I will say is Ajani is a beast. He really is. I mean, as good a tackling team as they are, he was second effort, third effort, 
And it made me think, you know what, maybe we don't need McGarrett as much as we thought we did because this kid is a powerful runner. Yeah, I was impressed with Jay. And, I, I again, as I said, I'm, I've been expecting the Jay Ajayi bust-out season here. Yeah. And I thought he was, he was tough, he, a tough runner. He's got, uh, you know, quick feet, nimble feet. He's good at moving around in, in tiny spaces. I, I'm with you. I was impressed with him, especially his running down by the goal line. Kenny. And I, I thought that was there was one place they did miss out, Sean, on Thursday night was the Falcons were able to take away the middle of the field because that's all they really had to concentrate yep. on. I mean, when you have, you know, like yeah. DeAndre, DeAndre Carter. Yeah, DeAndre yeah. Carter, the best receiver known to man, according to uh, our hey. boy uh, Barchard, who's not <laughs> here. But, yeah, no, look, this Eagles team, the best players they have on offense are in the middle of the field. Zach Ertz, Nelson Aguilar. They had to move Aguilar to the outside on Thursday night because you were missing Alshon. So I think that's one of the reasons uh, the Falcons were so effective in slowing down the offense, but also just because Nick Foles is terrible. <laughs> that that helps. Can I make one more observation, guys? Of course you can, Kenny. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, I did notice that in the second half, and you guys alluded to this earlier, that, that the offensive line really evolved throughout the, the course of the game. By the second half, they, they were just almost bulletproof. But one thing I also noticed is Doug's play calling kind of evolved as well. And one thing I really noticed is that on certain running plays, he had receivers going in motion pretty much to the middle of the field, either as a decoy or as that extra blocker up the middle. And it really seemed to make a difference on a couple of the Jai's runs. Kenny, look at you talking sports. I, I won't My make God. it out of buddy. I promise. <laughs> no, Kenny, thanks for the call. We love it, as always. What do you think about the last point there? Thought it was a good one. I mean, it sounds like all this guy does is make a point. So I guess well, you know. it, usually Kenny calls in to talk about the fun side topic type yeah. stuff, and he doesn't always drop the sports knowledge, <laughs> but he can drop it when he wants to. That's the beautiful thing. Yeah, I mean, talking about the second half adjustments by Doug, that's what he did so well last year, right? I mean, think about this this Eagles team. The, the, the way he uh, calls plays, his ability to kind of adjust to what the defense is doing in the first half. I mean, I think of the 18 points they scored, 15 of them were in the second half, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Correct. So, it was, yeah, 6-3 at death. Yeah, they, they did adjust for sure. And, you know, we talked about the Philly special 2.0 uh, play a little bit. But I just want to say from, you know, being in that stadium and the feeling was it was dead in there from, from kickoff to basically when that Philly special 2.0 ran. I mean, the, the, Doug, I don't think there's a better head coach in the league at calling a play when he knows his team needs it in the right spot. I mean, that was when, when Doug eventually wins coach of the year, and it should have happened last year, maybe it'll happen this year, that's the play you show right there. The one in the Super Bowl was great, don't get me wrong, and it was better than the one on Thursday night. More important, we'll say. More yeah. important, yeah. But just, like, talk about hitting a home run with a play call. And just knowing the moment, and I will, I will take it a step further, I think Doug Pierce is the best play caller in the NFL right now, yeah. specifically to what Kenny was talking about. There is no other coach in the NFL who is as good at creating personnel mismatches, at using, using motion to, to disguise things, yep. to, to trick defenses. There is literally no one better in mm-hmm. the NFL right now than Doug Peterson at that. Coming up in just a little, we were going to hear a little bit more about what it was like inside the stadium at first. Let's talk to Hans. Hans, you're on WIP. Hey, how are you doing this morning? Good, or this Hans. Afternoon, actually. Your, we're doing good, man. What's on your mind today? Hey, I just want to say, you know, we got to have faith. I mean, that's what makes us Eagles fans is we believe, and I believe in Foles. I mean, this guy, he, he won us, you know, the golden prize last year. We can't give up on him. He's the perfect backup. I mean, Wentz is going to come back. We're going to be good to go. It was an ugly win, but how many ugly losses have we had? A win is a win, and I think uh, Foles, you know, He's going to have a game when he needs to shine, really needs to shine. I think he will. I just, well, 
I don't, me, I don't like giving up on the guy. Let me ask you this, Hans. How did you think he sure. played on Thursday night? Uh, well, I think there's some things you can't measure, like leadership. I mean, his numbers weren't that good. But, you know, the guys had to be reassured by him being out there. You know, he led the team to the Super Bowl. First game of the season, he's out there. Consistency. And, you know, it wasn't that hot. But, you know, if it had been some other guy, we might not have been able to pull it off. So the only issue I have with that point is, it's, you know, the things you mentioned, the, the leadership, all that, that's true. But we can't live in Super Bowl history for forever, right? The guy's going to have to actually play well this season, and he did not play well against the Falcons. They were lucky to win that game despite him. Now, I agree with you, Foles, at any given Sunday when he plays, Eagles have a chance to win, and there's not a lot of backups you can say that for. But, you know, last season only takes this guy so far. He almost cost them that game when they they they, uh, turned down draft picks for him. They uh, gave him that new contract. He should have been better just on Thursday night. We're not talking about the Super Bowl. We're not talking about going forward. Just on Thursday night. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh-uh. I disagree a little bit. I think Let's first and foremost, like it's not like you can live off that. For I mean, he should. He will live as a. Well, legend he's got a statue. He's going to live in this Philly as a legend forever and well deserved. He's an all-time Eagles great just right. because he won the Super Bowl. Period. Nothing else matters. But I think that we've seen enough of Nick Foles now to know that just because he had a bad game Thursday night doesn't mean that he can't come out in Tampa and throw for four touchdowns. Yeah, and just because he has a good game doesn't mean he'll be good next week. That's Foles' sure, problem. of course not. But we're only talking about but this I, game. I do think the stuff that Hans talked about matters. I, I, I do think that as, at that position, at that position more than any other position in all of sports, leadership, charisma, uh, being calm under pressure, uh, knowing what to do in situations, like all that stuff does matter. Like it does. You know what else matters? 3.4 yards per completion yeah, against but the Falcons. Like, right. 19 of 34, but, almost look, through three interceptions. Zach Ertz didn't help him out. Zach Ertz had some monster drops. And, again, Foles didn't play well, but no one else did. I mean, Nelson Aguilar was the only guy who showed up in the passing game. Yeah, period. I thought the offensive line played well. We they talked did. about that. Foles had his time. My, my only point is this. If Foles was, you know, just your general backup, then, yeah, I think we're, we're on the same page here. We're saying, okay, you know what? You had your backup in. He won the game. That's all that matters. But the Eagles, again, pay him like a starter. Treat him like a starter. Yeah, but that's because they knew Wentz wasn't going to play. I think that's clear now. I think right. it's very clear now that with, with this way it's playing out, that they didn't want to put Wentz in the season, into a game for at least the first few weeks, probably the first month of the season at least. Yeah. And they said, we're not starting. We're not raising a banner with Nate Sudfeld. We're not playing our first four games with Nate Sudfeld. Nick Foles just won us the Super Bowl. He, those games, the chance to repeat, the chance to put mm-hmm. Carson Wentz in a better situation when he returns to lead this team to a Super Bowl, I think that was more important to them than those so potential you, who you don't down think, the road. You don't think Nate Sudfeld could have done what Foles did on Thursday night? No, I mean, I don't know if he could. I've never seen Nate Sudfeld playing a meaningful football right, game. Right, but that's what I'm saying. That If you're giving Foles $13 million against your cap, you're turning down reportedly top 35 picks for him. This is not a guy then that at the end of games you have to take it out of his hands. Of the past, I think it was the last. They won the game. They, yeah, they won the game, but it wasn't because of him. But it wasn't. They didn't lose because of they him. They almost did. But they didn't. They but, didn't okay, lose the game because of him. He didn't make any mistakes. The interception that was thrown wasn't his fault. Or got her. Yeah, but the two that he almost play. threw, the two that he almost threw were completely yeah, his fault. Yeah, look, I'm not saying Nick Foles played well. But I'm also saying that we've seen more than enough of Nick Foles to believe in that dude and believe that he can play well. And just because he didn't have a good opener where the offense just wasn't in sync on either side of the ball. Right. So are we saying Matt Ryan's a terrible quarterback now because he had a bad game on Thursday? I'm not talking about the grand future here. I'm not saying, you know, like cut him and never let him play football again. I'm saying 
on Thursday night in the opener, he was terrible. But sure, but you're saying that that's like an indictment of Nick Foles in some way. Or it another. was on Thursday it's night. It's one game. Okay, and it's but a let's game see. We where did the that. offense wasn't clicking. No one was in sync. You right. can't put that all on him. Plus, like you said. DeAndre Carter played 74% of the snaps. Well, that doesn't influence how well Nick Foles can play. Yeah, it has a factor, but DeAndre Carter, it wasn't his fault that Foles was you know, throwing it off his back foot, lofting it up, that he was missing Nelson Aguilar down the field. Again, I'm not saying this means they should bench him for Nate Sudfeld. I'm not saying keeping him was a mistake. My only point is if you invest all that they did into this guy, you expect more than 19 of 34. That's what I'm saying. You expect more than that. Against a good defense, without his top receiver, without having practiced or played with Aguilar, Clement, all these guys are in the preseason, I'm okay. Sounds I'm like okay. you're making a lot of excuses. They won the game. He's longest, 1-0. Longest completion of the 1-0. night. Longest completion of the Was night. Was Foles' catch. I know. You know what he did? He caught the ball too, didn't he? Okay, yeah, maybe didn't they should put him at receiver then. Maybe that's why they're paying him so eight, much eight, money. 888-729-9494. We'll still get to the, the feel in the stadium. Elliot teased a little bit what it was like. Before the game, the banner ceremony, all that, plus your calls, 888-729-9494. Plus, we'll yell at each other about Foles a little bit more because I feel like we've not done that enough uh, yet. 888-729-9494. Elliot Parks, James Seltzer. It's Go Birds Radio. We're coming right back. The Nick Foles thing is so strange. The guy wins us a Super Bowl, and they're just it seems like there's just 50% of fans who love him and know he can do no wrong, and then there's 50% of fans who, no matter what he does, he can do no right. It's really a crazy kind of dichotomy that we have there with Nick Foles. Yeah, I mean, in my book, if the Eagles say they're moving on, I don't see why we should all be living in the past, right? And I see your point, like, and to what you said earlier, the games that he played in the playoffs, like against the Vikings and against the uh, the Patriots, I think pro, pro Football Focus said that game they had, that Foles played against the Patriots, was the highest graded game they had all year. Yeah. He was I, unreal. It's the best game I've ever seen an Eagles quarterback play in my life. I'm 36 years old. I've watched a lot of Eagles football. It's the best game I've ever seen an Eagles, and the biggest one. Doesn't change the fact he was terrible on Thursday night. It doesn't. But at the same time, what it does change is that you still can believe in the guy. Yeah, and believe I, that the situation I, itself is why they stunk as much I, as anything. I feel like you're you're saying I don't believe in him or, or you know, anybody shouldn't believe him going forward. That's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is, you know, you talk about his experience, the confidence the team has in him, all those things. Those matter on Thursday night primetime games. Like Sunday 1 o'clock against Tampa Bay, we'll see what he does. But that's not a game where you need a big-time quarterback. The Eagles sign the guy, you give him that money, you turn down trade offers so that against the Falcons, he goes out there and plays well. And they won. They won. Right. And there that, was a report he got, a, you know, because of his contract, he gets like $500,000. Good so, for him. So Foles wins. Go I mean, get he, it, Yeah, baby. he's a winner. But I'm just saying, for what you gave him, for what you turned down, you want more than 3.4 yards per completion. I get it. I'm, I just think the first game of the year without, with the way preseason is now, with the way training camp, especially with him splitting reps with Wentz yeah. throughout training, I just think there are a lot of reasons why they look that way, and I think, I think that we will see a better Foles and next one, week. W- one thing we haven't touched on was that there was a report that uh, you know, Wentz might be out a few more weeks or it might be even into October. And what Foles showed on Thursday was we can talk about the receivers, you know, all this stuff with the offense. This offense is going to be better once Carson Wentz gets uh, under look, center. Look, 100%. Uh, Carson Wentz makes everyone around him better, and he is someone who is consistent and all that. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong with that, but I just think that I think that to damn Nick Foles for one performance where they won the game is tough for me. But 888-729-9494. It is Go Birds Radio. Elliot Short Barks, James Seltzer. We are live from the gorgeous, beautiful Hard Rock Hotel and Casino down here in Atlantic City. Just a uh, an awesome place. You walk in, there's TVs everywhere. There's slot machines. There's this, there's that. We're behind a wall of just all these silver-plated guitars right next to the Hard Rock Live. 
It, um, it's like so clean and nice in here. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's insane. I mean, I, I like to keep my my uh, shoes pretty clean. You know, like I got the Jays you're, on. Yeah. But even you're, you're, you are that guy. Even yeah. walking around, I was like, man, like my my shoes feel dirty here. <laughs> like this place is brand spanking. Plus, you know. the entire security guard staff is obsessed with Elliot Short Parks and keeps coming up to tell him. Which is good because if I keep making fun of Nick Foles, I might need it's him true. over here in a it's few true. minutes. He's the guy who made fun of yeah. Eight 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 seven two nine. 94, 94, 245, ring the bell picks. Let's head out to the phone since I see one of my favorite callers in the world on the line. My good buddy from West Philly, Stallworth. What up, buddy? Yo, what's going on? Baby, what's happening? So, it's good to hear up, your man? voice, man. What's on Yo, your mind man, today, man? Always good talking to you, family. Listen, I got to, with all due respect, Elliot, I got to right, agree with my man. So not just because that's my homie, but <laughs> if you just look at it logically, to put – those type of expectations on foals for the for this game one, it doesn't make sense logically. And what I mean is, if you look at just all around the league, even last year and the last couple of years, teams don't play well in the first first game, second game, maybe almost even third game, because they don't play that much in the preseason anymore. Like the Rams didn't even play any of their starters. I think any of the preseason games for the most part. Mm-hmm. So the teams just don't have that rhythm, that that crisp execution that you want to see that first game. Yeah, you know that Foles is a rhythm type of quarterback. We we know that that that's that's who the guy is. So he's not going to have that rhythm this first game, especially with these players. With some of them, he didn't even play with at all. Yeah, no, it those are doesn't... those are fair points. The only thing I'm saying is I'm not asking Foles to go out there and throw three touchdowns, throw for 500 yards. I'm just asking him not to throw the game away. And he had two plays in the third quarter where it wasn't rhythm, it wasn't lack of you know uh, snaps with these players. It was bad reads that a guy that's been in the NFL for five years that has played in the Super Bowl and out of tools with Tom Brady shouldn't be making. So I think that's the difference yeah, between I, what you're saying and, and James. No, I, like, I, that's my point. What Stallward's saying is my point. I totally agree with No, you. no, no. I'm saying that's the difference between my take and your guys is that, look, like I'm not, like you said, I'm not giving up on him. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying some of those throws he made like were rookie-type throws. And that's so did Matt yeah, Ryan, right. though. And he had his granted. full complement of weapons and, and all right. that. And all right, Matt Ryan was trash, and too. Granted. What do you want me to say? <laughs> <laughs> And that that was my next point. My next point was you want to talk about if you want to bring in the money and expectations part of it, Matt Ryan is guaranteed a hundred million dollars, and he looked like trash truck juice. Yeah, I agree. Not just in that, that game last year. Last year he only threw twenty touchdowns and I think I, almost ten interceptions. So I'll, you know, let's let, let's be let's be fair about it. And when it comes to Foles, his rhythm I think really honestly helps his entire game. Mm-hmm. So he makes better decisions. He, he plays overall better. When he's in that rhythm, when he's not in that rhythm, you'll see him make bad throws. You'll see him, you know, make a bad decision or two because he's that guy. For, for him that to for everything to be clicking, he needs to be in that rhythm. That, that's just who he is. Stalwart, my guy. Good, Good points, man. Good and, and, and I, I 100% agree with what he's saying on both levels. That is the type of quarterback Nick Foles is. He's just better when he's rolling. He's better when the right plays are called. He's better when he's got guys around him who are helping yeah. him. He's not Carson Wentz who's going to make everyone around him better no matter the situation. I get that. But I think the key that what Stallworth is talking about and what I'm kind of hitting at is that this is the way the NFL is now. And for a guy who got half the first team reps all through training camp, through the preseason, barely played in preseason games, the receivers who he's mm-hmm. playing with barely played in preseason games, and some of the best ones aren't even playing to begin with right now, I just think that's all the type of stuff that goes into what 
is going to elicit a not But, but what I'm saying is I didn't put these expectations on Foles. I'm, I didn't say, you know, look, this guy should be a starter. The Eagles did that when they gave him that contract, when they reportedly turned down these deals. You don't do that for a guy that, you know, you, that you need to have the perfect offensive game plan for and all that stuff. Look, like, I just don't think for, for what they've done for him, I didn't think he played well. Again, I'm not crucifying the guy. I'm not saying that, you know, it was a mistake to not trade him like Barchard thinks or stuff like that. I just I expected more out of him on Thursday night than what he gave the In Eagles. a big spot, I get it, and he's usually shown up for those. So yeah. I can understand where you're coming from. I think I'm more explaining why I think the performance wasn't as good. And also, again, I do think that the one thing that is being underrated across the board is at that position in this sport, all the intangibles matter so much more than anything else. And, and, that's the, and what, I think that plays a role. And that's what I've always, to me, the best thing Foles has going is that he comes up big in big spots. And he didn't on Thursday night, but I guess what I'm saying is no stage is too big for him. And it does matter to that degree, like if you're talking about him versus Sudfeld. I mean, I'll, I'll ask you this. So Nate Sudfeld's cap hit or what the Eagles are paying him is you know, probably less than a million bucks, maybe 700000 something like that. Nick Foles is $13 million. Like, Do you think Sudfeld could have done for the Eagles what Foles did on Thursday night? See, I, again, I don't know. And, and I think that, like, sure, he could have gone 17 for – 34 and 19 right. for 34 and 100 and no whatever touchdowns, yards. one interception. Sure. Yes, in theory, he could have done that. But again, back to the point I just made, he couldn't have gone into the huddle and have everyone in that huddle look at the dude and be like, you're the Super Bowl MVP we just won the Super Bowl with. That matters to me. I, think, I feel confident. I think you're underestimating Sudfeld swag ha- <laughs> that he has in the locker room. I mean, this guy is a popular guy. You know, no reason to. Throw, throw dirt on the Sudfeld name I like here. that. He's not the Super <laughs> I, I, Hey, I'm the guy who came up with Nate Studfeld, right? That's oh, okay, mine. there you go. All right. Studfeld throwing I didn't studies. know I was talking to the top fan right Not there. the Super Bowl MVP, though. Let's head out to Wilmington and talk to Frank. Frank, you're on WIP. Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks for um, making it, Frank. I have the faith in Foles. I mean, uh, you know, like you were saying, Jimmy, uh, you know, the, the starting guys didn't even, like, participate. And, uh... You know, I mean, it, just the, the shortness of time working together. The offensive line was good. The defensive line was good. My issue, and I'm probably one of the only Eagle fans thinking this, realistically, we could be like four, five, and one when Carson's cleared and ready to go. I'm not willing to mess up the chemistry. I'm leaving Nick Foles in. Oh, oh yeah. That's where we part ways, Frank. I mean, I'm going to have to disagree with let, you. Let me, let me make two points really quick, Frank. First, to this idea that, you know, that he hasn't gotten a, le- a lot of reps with these guys. The only player that, if I remember correctly, among the offensive skill position players that didn't play in the preseason for that third uh, game against the Browns was Nelson Aguilar, right? DeAndre Carter was out there. Nick Foles was out there. Ertz was out there. Goddard was Clement out there. didn't play either. I guess technically not a starter, but someone who played it for Right, yeah. No, but I guess so. my point is, like, wh- who's, who's he not getting these reps with? Like, where is the Well, I mean, he, did, he doesn't have all Sean. He had none, none of the running backs. Yeah. He didn't have Peters. And again, you know I, think, I, mean? I do think the splitting reps in practice, splitting reps in training camp, all that stuff with Wentz, I think that does well, wait, matter. To your point, he's not yeah. really splitting reps with Wentz. He was the last week on first team 11 on 11s, but I mean, I tracked every rep he took for the portion that were open to the media, and he, he outdid Wentz in reps like 280-something to 90. So he did, get call, Frank, a, he did get a ton more work. And, yeah, thanks for the call, Frank. He did get a ton more work in training camp than Wentz did. Of course. Okay. And I think that, again, and look, I, I, I think that the Eagles knew what they were going to do with Wentz. I actually think they were thrown off by how quickly Wentz has progressed. Right. And I think their plan was to always start the season with Foles. I think that's why they turned down the trade offers. I think they said – we're putting down the banner. We want to repeat. 
we're not going to start this. As much as we like Nate Sudfeld as a developmental guy, as much mm -hmm. as we believe in his future and being an asset that we could maybe move down the road, I think that they looked at it and said, Nick Foles is going to start the season for us, and he's going to play some games for us. Yeah, and that's fair. And they made, obviously made the right call since Wentz was not ready. But, again, my point is, you do all this, you want more out of the guy. You don't, you don't like, all right, the end of the game, right? They're trailing, I think it was 12 to 10. They're driving. They, they run the ball, like, their last four plays of the drive, which, again, the running game was working, so maybe that was the reason why. But when generally when you're trailing, especially Doug last year for the times he was trailing, you throw the ball, right? If Carson Wentz was in that game towards the end, the game plan is very different. And, you know, you can say, well, obviously he's Carson Wentz. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But the whole point of having Foles and paying him that money is you're not, you don't have to change the game plan when he goes in there. We're not talking about putting Matt McGloin in there. We're talking about, you know, putting a guy that you should be able to trust. See, and I, to your point, I agree with your conceptual point. I thought that was as much a matchup thing as anything. I thought the running, that, the running play. Yeah, I okay. thought that was as much. This is a small defense that we have worn down over this game. They are quick. They're not strong. Let's right. let's pound them into oblivion. And right it now. worked. It, and worked. it worked. So you know, and again, we can criticize Foles, or I can criticize Foles. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not getting on that. But the Eagles did win the game. The game plan worked. But it was not pretty. It wasn't, you know, they didn't earn oh, a lot of style points. Nobody did. Yeah, no one earned style yeah. points. As Matt Ryan, we discussed. Eight 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 seven two nine ninety four ninety four. Go Birds Radio, live at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City. And I love it when I look at my, it's full of my favorite callers today, Ellie, which is a beautiful thing. Let's go to another one of them. Let's head to Chester and talk to my buddy Dave. Dave. What's going on, Jimmy? How you doing, man? Good, man. What's on your mind today, brother? All right, so um, first of all, I just want to say I, I kind of agree with both you on the Nick Foles subject, but I'm not going there. I want to switch it up. All right, um, let's do it. I, I really, 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 really was impressed with Jim Swartz. He kind of took a page out of the NBA playbook. He decided, I'm going to let your best player do everything he can to will, to will you to victory, but I'm going to shut down every other player on the field or on the court in the NBA. They, you see him do it with LeBron all the time. I was very impressed that even though Julio was getting – you know, what he was getting in between the 20s on just how strong our red zone defense is. And on top of that, that Jim Swartz was disciplined enough to continue his game thought through the whole game if that's what he planned on doing with Julio Jones. I just want to hear you all take on that. Dave, I, I couldn't agree more with you. I opened up the show by saying that the single thing that I was most impressed with, and there were a lot of impressive performances, we talked about Fletcher Cox, we talked about Ronald Darby, we talked about Jordan Nix, Talked about the D-line as a whole. There were a lot of great player performances on the defense. But for me, the number one thing that stood out to me was how well coached that defense was, how much they stayed at home, how much everyone did their assignments, and it showed on the screen. Elliot, how did you feel about so, that? So, I, I, excellent call, excellent point. The only thing I'll say is it seemed like the, the weird part about Julio, if we're just talking about you know how they did against Julio, obviously he had a big game. But you didn't see him, like, out-jump a lot of guys. It wasn't like a lot of the plays he had were kind of breakdowns and coverage, I thought, towards the, towards the mm -hmm. middle of the field. So, um, no, I mean, obviously an excellent excellent uh, performance from the defense to hold them to 12 points. And, you know, to, to James' point, like, it's the first week, so it's going to be ugly to a certain degree. But to hold them to 12 points was incredibly impressive. And Jim Schwartz, man, like, it's hard for a, it's hard for a defensive guy to get a head coach in today's uh, NFL, but he's got to be on the short list if you're looking at defensive guys. Yeah, I mean, you would think so. As long as they don't hold what, what, you know his whole Detroit thing against him, you would think he would be next up. Yeah, Dave. Um, can I ask you guys one more question before Absolutely. you cut me off? Absolutely. Lay it on me, brother. All right. Um, I've actually been thinking about this. Last year when he went down, um, he did a lot 
um, with that offensive line. Jason Peters, like with Vitae to get him ready and just helping out everybody else. Do you think there's a future for him, maybe on the coaching side? Uh, um, that's a once great he does question, retire? Dave. I mean, Elliot, you talk to our Peters all the time. You know, you get to see him in the locker room a lot. Yeah. Like, and sure, I, I know that when I used to be in the locker room all the time when I was working for the Eagles, like. My biggest takeaway from Jason Peters was just, wow, that's the biggest human being I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, he, he's massive. And but he, but he, is that something you think you might be interested in post-career? Well, let me say two things. First, Jason Peters is one of those guys, and I'm sure you experienced from your time in the locker room, like as soon as you walk in, you can tell he's in the room. Oh, 100%. Even though he's all the way in the back all to the, the right hand side. All the way in the corner there. Yeah, he's all been the way there in the since the corner. Always, yep. always all the way in the as corner. As soon as you walk in, you're like, oh, Jason's here today. Because yeah. he's not in the locker room a ton when the media is there. But in terms of coaching, I absolutely think, you know, the thing about coaching, I'll, I'll say, is it requires a ton of hours. I mean, this is not something you get into, you know, for the money, especially if you're Jason Pierce and you've made a ton of money. That being said, you know, you can even you can just see it every day at practice. He works with guys after practice. Uh, Howie Roseman talked about how much he's helped uh, Jordan Mailata early on. Um, you saw him with even last year. He's getting carted off the field with the torn ACL, and he's still giving pieces of advice to Vitae. So I do think he could get into that for sure. I could see that. Yeah, yeah I think so too. And either way, I mean, man, Jason Peters. To come back. He, he played great. He looked like Jason Peters. Yeah. He, As a 36-year-old coming off an ACL tear guy, he said two eight uh, Achilles tears in his, his past. I mean, for that dude to be just the same guy out there. Yeah, and, I, you know, I got, into, unbelievable. I got into it with a few people on Twitter about Jason Peters, how we didn't really question him going into the game, even though he's 36 coming off a torn ACL, but he showed why. He sh- yeah, he showed <laughs> why. There is no question. All right, let's keep the good caller train rolling. Let's head to Center City and talk to Q. Hello. Q. You. What up, man? What's on your mind today? Ah, the, the fools thing, man. Uh, this is this the thing. This is the thing. Atlanta got a pretty good defense also. Like, mm-hmm. we didn't want to look at that. And with the skill positions that was out there, of course was out there, he might have did maybe a little bit better. Um, Foles is 19-4 in this city. If anybody could believe in Foles, Philadelphia, it kills me to hear as if he he got numbers that we could, you know, quantify. And it's just winning percentage. At the end of the day, if Foles is a starter, nine times out of ten, more than nine times out of ten, he's going to win. Yeah, no, Q, the, the crazy – and Q, that point is excellent because when you look at Nick Foles' st- uh, stats in Justin Eagles' uniform, like, you would think this was the franchise guy. You'd think he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, like 60, <laughs> yeah, 60-something touchdowns, like, you know, in the teens for interceptions. I mean, no, his, his stats are great. Doesn't change the fact he was bad against the Falcons, but overall, I mean, your point is true. I mean, and, and, and we want to talk about the drops. The drops were third down drops, drop killers. He mm-hmm. drove us down. I mean, a giant, they ran it in, but he drove us down for the touchdown. And it might have happened before if you said Gertz wouldn't have dropped the ball on third down. Yeah, that's one drop. And also the fact that the, the, him, was, him leading us down the field. Drop. It was a big drop. It was the time of the game when he dropped it. Yeah, I'm with you. Q, great call, man. I appreciate also, wait, it. Ta- talking about that Ertz drop, I mean, that was a, not an easy catch. Are we talking about the Ertz the one? The third where he, down one, that was a bad drop. I'm thinking about Tiger the one where it was kind of low. He went down. on the ground, and it was right there, and just went right through. It went right through his hands. Yeah, it, no. was, a, it was a drop for sure. It went but, right through his hands. All right, it was, it was a drop. But also this, this whole idea that Foles led them down the field, if I remember correctly, Corey Clement had like a 20-something hey, yard run hey. that got them from 19. like the 40. and four. I'm just going to start throwing that out. 19, 19 and four. That's like how many completions Yeah, had. and I'm not one like quarterback uh, wins or a quarterback stat. I am guy. too, though. See, that's the crazy we're thing. that's to that, which is like kind of antithetical yeah. to the way we've been discussing this today. But what I do, I do agree with, and again, I'll keep hammering, is that um, I do think that Foles' calmness and his ability to handle big situations matters. And I think that 
in situations when you're down, when you do need a big drive, when you do need to move the ball, having a quarterback in there who you believe and he believes is going to make that happen, there is something to be said for that. Yeah, there, no, look, there is something to be said. And also, you know, to the win-loss thing, this is why I wasn't big on Sam Bradford because this is a guy that, you know, has never won in his career, but everyone points to the intangible, not the intangibles, but like his completion percentage, and he so, throws such a good ball, he, do, he never wins. And so, look, I give respect to Foles, but, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, 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 you're, you're turning me a little bit. I like this. I like this. It's Elliot Shortbarks, it's James Seltzer, it's Go Birds Radio. Ring the bell picks coming up at 245. Running calls until then, and we'll continue to uh, try and change Elliot's mind on the Nick Foles thing. The callers are doing a better job than you. I gotta I, uh, say. Well, what else is new? I yeah, mean, what, that's hey, exactly right. New, right. It's Coverage Radio. We're coming right back. Coming up at two forty-five. It's the first ring the bell picks of the twenty eighteen NFL season. Cannot wait to dive into that. It's Elliot Short Parks's inaugural. I know. The bell pick segment I've here. heard you guys very both, first one. I've heard you guys ring the bell and like the pressure is high. If, if I ring the bell, the yeah. pressure is high. See, here's the thing with ringing the bell. You got to sell out for it. You're just okay. going to say, I don't care if I sound ridiculous or whatever. You just got to <laughs> like get deep. But, but See, Barcher is... can do it. I don't have the Barcher voice, so I just, I just go for it. Well, I was going to say the issue is you and John never sound ridiculous unless you're talking football. <laughs> so when it comes to actually yelling and <laughs> oh, stuff, you know. Look at this. Yeah, guy. that's the that's the problem Look at I have. This guy, into this. as the the security guards are tweeting out pictures, like met the goat, the goat, what, yeah, franchise swag. Look at you, you know what it is. This guy, Elliot Short Park, in the house, <laughs> Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. We're here for another thirty minutes. Uh, come hang out with us, and uh, if not, just come out and check out this awesome place. Awesome place to eat. There's concerts. There's all kinds of gambling. All kinds of fun stuff you can do. It is an awesome, awesome place to so come out. Check it out for now. Let's head back out to the phones again. Two forty-five. The ring the bell picks. Let's head out to Chestnut Hill and talk to my buddy Bob. Bobby, how are you, fellas? I'm good. Uh, love the energy and love the deep sports dive. I Thank got two you, things that I two things. Um, a question, and then I'd love to run a play by you guys. All right. Uh, I call it down under. But the first <laughs> question is, I'd like to get Does your it take have to on. Does it do with Jordan Mylotta? I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to ta- get your take on. Uh, uh, Sydney Jones. Okay. Oh, and just in general. Okay, you know. Yeah, well, I, you know, it's like coming out of the game. Like, yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. hear much about him. No, it's right. a good question. Well, and sometimes that's a good thing for a cornerback, yeah. right? You don't yeah, hear a lot about him. Um, Doug said earlier this week when he, I asked him about Sydney, you know, early on, and it was pretty evident, he did misread a running play that resulted in a long gain for the Falcons. But overall, I thought he played very well in a, in a tough matchup because Sydney's a guy, uh, you know, he's not small by any stretch of the imaginations, but he's not six foot two, 240 pounds like uh, Muhammad Sanu was, which was his matchup. So, tough matchup for him in the first one there was one play that I think really showed what Sydney can be because coming out of Washington his whole thing was he studies tape and you saw that a few times where he he diagnosed the play and was able to break it up yep. in the backfield especially on screens and Stayed stuff like home that on a few plays where yeah so I, to. I thought he played very well yeah I'm with him Bob what's yeah, the uh, you know, what's the down under brother okay so the down under is you two tight ends Nick under center he calls Philly Philly he walks down the line, and, and when he taps Lane Johnson, you and the tailback is Jordan Mailata. Yeah, buddy. When well, you tap, when he taps Lane Johnson, you play rugby for one play. <laughs> well, let, let, Bob, let, great call, man. Let me Thank say this: you for the, making it. That, the was, Eagles, a, that uh, was a good one right there. Eagles are off for Just a few start days. Start playing rugby. Yeah. Ne- next time we get Doug, I'm gonna I'm throw him. I'm gonna throw that play by him. I say, like that. Bob from Chestnut Hill's got an idea for you, Doug. 
I got you covered, man. You know rugby, Doug? We're good. Let's do it. Just, <laughs> it's a tap, and then it's rugby. It'll work. Yeah. Look at this. We got another legendary caller on the line. Let's head out to Princeton and talk to Billy T. Billy T! Hey, yo, James, you are the glue during the week, and you're definitely the glue today. Oh, uh, you're go- too kind. You're too kind. Listen, though. listen, I, I got to say, Elliot, you, you may have to go to the hospital and get a CAT scan. <laughs> I, I was going to say, this sounded like it was turning against me when he called you the glue. <laughs> Let, right, explain to me why I'm wrong, Billy. Well, if you take a look at last year and the business decision to bring um, Foles in, this mm-hmm. league, you need to be too deep at almost every single position. And and, and it proved that last year. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't go to the Super Bowl unless you've got a quality quarterback and then win it. This guy won the MVP on the biggest stage in the world. I, I mean, I, come on. I think we're going to need I, to get, like, a sound it, effect. It, so, Billy. like, every time we talk about last season, we'll just play it. So we all know what you're talking this, about last year stop, because stop. I don't see what that has to do with Thursday night and the fact stop, that he didn't play stop. well. Elliot, Elliot, stop. Okay. Listen, it's early in the year. You had a great caller. In fact, you've had a lot of really good callers. We have. That we can agree on, Billy. (laughs) The the gentleman that called earlier, and he mentioned about, hey, listen, everybody in the league isn't playing their starters. Nobody gets in the form until the third or fourth week. Nobody. And if you take a look at what happened Thursday night, it it was lack of playing, lack of focus some timing, all those things are going to get cleaned up. This guy had a season where he was 29-2 with TD passes to interceptions. Uh, you know, I, this guy, I'm tired of people beating this poor guy up. I mean, for God's sake. Well, first of hey, all, James, Foles is 6'6", six six, so I don't think I'm beating him up, and I don't think I could even if I tried. <laughs> but <laughs> he's, a, he's a big dude. But, no, look, again, like, I'm not taking away what Foles has done. I'm, all your points are valid. He did have a good year, you know, four years ago with, with Chip Kelly, and he did win the Super Bowl last year. He's done that. His stats in Eagles uniform are great. But, the, but we're talking about this season. We're talking about the decisions he's made. I understand that, Elliot. Elliot, I understand that. Doesn't sound like you do. It's one it's one game. He's won the freaking game. And yes, yes. 18 to 12. But we can't talk about week two yet. We Billy, can't talk about call, week two. my brother. A pleasure as always. Thank you. But, and, and my point and what he's hitting on, I agree, is that, again, I don't think you can judge any quarterback on their week one performance. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we were doing that last year, we would have said Alex Smith is winning the MVP of this league. Yeah, that's fine. Right? But, but, but you, and then on top of that, again, I think that it is a really important point. I really think that... The new NFL, the way the NFL now, the first month of the season, it's really hard to make takeaways, to, to say, like, this is something that's going yeah. to last over the course But here's of what season. I'll say. Last year, Carson Wentz played really good early on, didn't he? He played good in training camp. He played good against uh, Washington in week one, if I remember correctly. He made a few great plays. So, you know, we've talked about how the defense played well. We talked about how Sidney Jones played well. Like, why are we only applying this week one thing? We talked about the offensive line playing well. We talked about Jason Peters. Why are we only applying this week one excuse to false? All right, let's. Uh, my, my guys keep calling in, and it's making me happy. Let's head out to Garnet Valley making and talk me worried. to my buddy Tom. Tommy! Hey, James. How are you? I'm good, brother. What's on your mind today? Elliot, uh, here's – well, let me get the folds first. Okay. I don't know why playing good enough to win is not acceptable anymore. I'm with you. Um, and, I, you know, let's put this in context, too. Um, you know, I don't want to overvalue him. But I think there's a lot of undervalue, or I'm sorry, I, I'm not sure. No, no, no you're I saying we're it right. overvaluing, but I don't want to undervalue him either. I, I, I expected him to play about the way he did. 
Uh, I didn't expect a whole lot. I thought, the like everybody has said, the offense is off. They don't have the right players. They haven't played enough together. I just didn't know why we expected him to be like Carson Wentz on the first game. Because, they, I mean, they again, I'll repeat myself. They view him as a starter. They paid him like a starter. They turned down deals that you would for a starting quarterback. So if your expectations were different, that's fine. He met your expectations. Doesn't sound like to me, like based off how the Eagles talked about him all offseason and based about how, honestly, I view Foles' ability to play in big games, I did not think he met those expectations. And to your point about since when is, you know, not playing good enough to win, when is that not good enough, the Eagles did win. The Eagles' defense played good enough to win. Foles, yes. Foles' attempt to throw the games away didn't work, but to say that he was one of the reasons they won the game was no, not true. I, I'm saying that he – well, let's put it another he, way. Let's turn it around. Let's he, flip he it 180 the degrees. The team won the game. Uh, but yes. Again, you're underrating. We didn't play bad enough for he them to lose. He made plays when either. they needed it. Which he plays did he make, by the way? the Wait. offense. He caught the Philly special, didn't he? I mean, okay. that's part yeah. of it. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right. As a receiver, he was great. Uh, look, the point is, I think that, again, I think you're underrating the leadership, the the being in the, the huddle, the guys having confidence. You know, I think all that stuff matters in the NFL. Yeah, man, and if the Falcons would have caught some of those intercepts, and interceptions again, it's, it's, it's he tried well, to throw. It's a good defense. It's a tough match. How about yeah, the throw to Sproles? I mean, Sproles made it a hell of a play, but he still had to make the throw. It's like, you know, it, here's here's the thing. It's like, we always measure, uh, you know, positive and negative about what other things around them happen. You know, Howard says this all the time. Eli Manning's a, he's a lousy quarterback, but he made two of the hell of unbelievable plays in Super Bowl history. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like he gets, you know, if, if but for this, you know, I'm like, he still made a play. I don't get it. Tommy, uh, great call, just, brother. Great call. And, uh, look, I – I think that obviously, I think that there are certain different levels of things being argued here. I know you don't yeah, hate I think Nicole, it's all about, well, like, I also just think it's about expectations, right? Like, at the end of the day, we can all agree they won the game, they're 1-0, and that they should feel good about, I don't, actually, I don't want to say feel good, they should feel better about having Nick Foles than they, should, than they would other backups in the league. I'm just talking about when you, when you say what were the expectations for Foles in week one, I personally expected more, and I think based off the Eagles, it seemed like they probably expected more. And see, more that's where we're different because okay. I expected it to be a low-scoring game where the defense gave them the chance to win the game. That's what I expected. I expected an ugly but it can, football game where the defenses were ahead of the offense. But it can be that without Foles throw, making throws that looked like it was his first NFL game. That's my point I'm making. Is that I'm not, I didn't say I thought Foles would go out there and throw four touchdowns, but to your point that it's ugly and all that, it can be all of that. But doesn't mean Foles has to make throws where you're like, what was he thinking there? Another one of my guys actually got to meet him on game day. My buddy Jared. Jared. What's up, boys? What is going on, brother? Listen, you can't, you, you can't compare Foles to Wentz. I don't know why we're doing it. Foles is a placeholder to win a couple games, right? 3-1, mm-hmm. and 4-0. Oh, Wentz is in. We're good to go. It was the first game of the season, and Nick did what he had to do. He didn't show up, but guess who else didn't show up? Matt Ryan didn't show up. Nobody's talking about that here. It's, you know, the, he's got no receivers on the field. Alshon's out there. Goddard wasn't ready for the first game. And you're saying, you know, the Atlanta D should have had some picks. I mean, Rodney McCoy dropped two balls. Yep, I mean, the defense fair. could have had four or five picks on our side of the ball. Yeah, but, Jared, what does McLeod dropping interceptions and Matt Ryan playing bad have to do with Foles' performance? It has nothing to do with it because it's a team okay. game and the team showed up and the team won. And guess what? Tomorrow's Sunday, and we don't got to worry because we're 1-0. Amen. And I, think, and I think, you know, 
like Doug says, right? I love what Doug does. He breaks the season down into pieces. So we got four games, and the first four games you want to win as many as you can, right? So most importantly, you got to get through this first quarter of the season with Nick in these first four games and win as many as you can. And that and is Jared, all I care about. Jared, great call. Let's get one more in here. Alfred's been hanging pretty much the whole show, and I just want to get him in before we, uh, we head to the picks. Alfred, New Jersey. Alfred, thanks for hanging, man. Hey, no problem. You guys are fun to listen to. I want to know if you guys like you rehearsed this back and forth about Foles. No, actually, no. That's what I'm saying. I had no idea where this is coming it's, it's from. Like, so it's, it's good. Like, like an old um, Abbott and Costello thing, you know. Like first. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen. I, I want to look at it from maybe. Um, uh, and I know that uh, Elliot's going to hate me about mentioning last year. Uh-huh. However, it, it counts because if I look at it from a fan perspective, Foles can be one of the most frustrating quarterback I've ever seen in my life. You know, he's gold one day, and then he's, uh, I don't know what it is. He's led trying to convert it into gold the next time, and, you know, that's frustrating. Yeah. But if I was a player, and you have to consider, you know, a rhythm quarterback, timing, all that, that doesn't happen unless you are under fire. And if I've been in the foxhole under fire with somebody like Nicky, I know if I work my butt off, if I do my job, Old Nicky's going to find a way to lob that grenade, and it's going to be able to go off, and we're going to come out here with a victory. And, and you know, Doug said something I thought was really, really key in his after game interview. He said, the guys hung together, and, and I know that Doug knows that there's something about what he has with this team, and he knows he knows Nicky very well. There's something about this team that when they have the guys in there that they trust the most, and, and you know, Nick has, has proven to be able to be that guy, if they hang in there and they do what they need to do, then it's so much easier to come out with a victory. Also, Alfred, Alfred, I got to go. We are up against Excellent it. It points, though. Excellent points there, and we agree this is a tough team that plays together, and that matters. Elliot Shore Parks, James Houser, Go Birds Radio, live from the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. The first Ring the Bell NFL picks of the 2018 season. That's coming I'm nervous. Let's do it. This is Go Birds Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Live from the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City, Elliot Shore Parks, James Seltzer coming your way. With Go Birds Radio, our final segment of the day. And you know what that means, Elliot. Swing that bell. It's go time. It is time for the NFL picks. All right, Elliot. We're going to dive in here. The NFL picks, the ring the bell picks, as always, brought to us by the Casino at Delaware Park. Let's right. dive in. Mr. Michael DeFury, where are we heading first? All right, gentlemen. Game one, we have Jacksonville minus three at the Giants. I love this one. This is a the, fun game the, here, the, baby. The Giants are going to be hot garbage this season. Oh! Eli Manning is not a good quarterback. Eli Manning is not a good quarterback. The Jaguars are my favorite to go to the Super Bowl. I'm taking the Jags all day. I will not ring the bell on this one. I I am with you. I actually, I'm actually shocked at how much hate there is for the Jaguars. I feel like the Jaguars are being incredibly underrated. It's like everyone forgets how good that defense was last year or believes they can't do it again. I'm with you. I think they go into New York and they handle Mm -hmm. the Giants. This feels like a 17-3 type of game. Agreed. I'll take the Giants as well. To Fury, where are we going next? All right, game two, we got the Cowgirls plus three at Carolina. First of all, let me say, Dow sucks. Let's never forget that as an important thing to mention. And I think in this case, they're going to suck on this game because 
uh, while you say the Giants are going to be hot garbage, I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to be hotter garbage, as hot as garbage gets. I okay. think they're one of the worst teams in football this year. Wow. That's how much I think they're going to stink. I think Carolina's going to be all right. And I think at home in the opener, they handle business. I will lay the points with the Panthers. Oh, I wanted to ring the bell so bad. I wanted to try. <laughs> but I can't disagree with you on this one. I think Carolina's actually going to be pretty good. Cam Newton's one of the better quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion. Uh, I think the defense, you know, still kind of there. It's not what it used to be a few years ago. But agreed. I don't think Dallas is going to be good. I don't buy the whole Ezekiel Elliott comes back and changes everything. I think they'll be better than the Giants, but I'm still going with the uh, Panthers in this one. Yeah, at some point we might have to just lie and, and ring yeah, the bell just for fun. To Fury, what's next? Game three, we got Washington plus one at Arizona. Washington plus one at Arizona. Hmm. I'm going with the Cardinals in this one, actually. I'm going to throw it up a little bit. I, you know, I, I think the Redskins can be pretty decent this year, but traveling to Arizona for the opener, the uh, Cardinals are getting David Johnson back. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. Uh-oh. <laughs> Ring the team in this division wow. this year. I think that Washington is not good, but also not that bad. I think Washington's going to be right down the middle this year, 8-8-ish eight and eight -ish type team. I think Jay Gruden is not a great coach, but I think he's an okay coach. I think I think this is a lot of okay here, and right. I think Arizona is going to be fighting with Dallas as one of the worst teams okay. in football this year. I will take any point I can get in Arizona. I love watching this one. Fury, where are we going for the last one? All right, final game. We got Chicago plus seven at Green Bay. I have gone back and forth on this one. Sunday okay. night football. All of a sudden, a fun, exciting Sunday night football mm -hmm. game. The debut of Camille, Khalil Mack in Chicago going after Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers returns for a Packers team. It's Aaron Rodgers in prime time. I, look, I've gone back and forth on this game. I think the Packers are going to win it but I'm going to take the points. I'm going to go with the dog here. I'm going to say Chicago keeps it tight. Khalil Mack is all up in Aaron Rodgers' grill all day, and the Bears keep it tight even if they lose. So we had this debate two weeks ago. I guess, wow, was it only that last week? Time is time is flying. But I'm just – my thing with the Bears is, like, everyone's loving them, and I can see why with, you know, Khalil Mack and Trey Burton and all that. You got to be a Mitch Trubisky fan to think he's going to go into Green Bay and keep this thing close. I think the Packers are one of the better teams in the NFL – I'm going with the Packers in this so one. So what is that? Oh, no. Do I it. I forgot to you ring the bell. You can do it post-haste. Do it. So I am going to ring the bell. Yes. There it is. We got a bell ring from Elliot oh, Shore. Oh, man. He I was messed so it up. I was so it. excited. Yeah. I, just, I didn't do it as Look, good as you, though. he'll learn. He'll right. learn. Next we'll time. get there. At least we got to disagree on a few picks. And that is the ring the bell picks for week one of the 2018 season brought to us by the Casino at Delaware Park. Coming up next, Rob Cherry and Hollis Thomas coming your way. Elliot. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? Again, one quick final thought. Also, come to the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City because this place is awesome. You have a blast down here. It is a beautiful, beautiful new place. Good place to watch the games, Good too. Place to, TV's everywhere. It is an awesome place. But my, my final thought, I work every Sunday during the NFL season. I got Sunday off tomorrow. I'm excited to sit at home, watch the red zone, and just enjoy football and you know, keep an eye on the Buccaneers for that week two game and just see what happens there. But, yeah, I'm just excited to uh, coming off that Eagles win to relax a little bit, watch football. And tweet that fire all day. You know? uh, I love it. Too much that, time by Twitter is not good for that, me. That, that, he's the beat writer you might not want, but he's the you beat certainly writer need you him. need. That's right. Exactly right. Um, again, my final thought, come down and check this place out. It is just gorgeous here. Hotel 
and Casino, the Hard Rock in Atlantic City. Uh, also, um, as Elliot mentioned, you could hear all of our stuff at GoBirdsPod on Twitter, 94WIP slash GoBirds. Elliot was actually blogging during the show. He was talking right. and blogging. I've never seen anything like it. It's so impressive. <laughs> um, so go check out all his work there. And um, my final thought is the only thought that matters. The Eagles are 1-0. There you go. And the best record Ring in the football. Bell. For Elliot Short Barks, I'm James Seltzer. Thanks to Moshe Kravitz for the first part of the show. Michael DeFury for killing it the second part of the show. And, of course, my man Kevin Keenan on site. Coming up next, Rob Cherry and Hollis Thomas coming your way.